All right. <clears throat> so when you make a mistake, you end up having, as this song says, something to say to God. Because you've got a debt to pay back for something you did way back and you want to make it okay. Or maybe it wasn't something that you did way back. Maybe it was something you did this morning, like me. So I'm all ready. I'm trying to get ready this morning, and the message was just swirling around my head, my thoughts. I, I stood in front of the mirror. I grabbed my razor uh, to, to, to trim my beard. And I don't know what I, I, don't know what I was thinking, but I, well, I do know what I was thinking. I was totally thinking about the message, and I took off the guard off my razor, and he went, Rump. and all of a sudden I look in the mirror, and I'm like, what? Actually, the mirror spoke back to me. What did you just do? <laughs> you idiot. That's what I actually heard. You idiot. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? I, I'm so sorry. I'm having a known conversation with myself about repentance. And, uh, and I look at there, and I'm thinking, what do, I, what, what do I do? And I'm like, where's my wife? Please help me. You know, and Susie's not around. And so literally, I just had to shave everything off except my little goatee here. <laughs> Because sometimes you make a mistake and you can't pay it back. You can't, like, glue it back on, right? It's like, you've done it, you've blown it. All right. Well, that was not going to be my intro today. Here's my intro because we do do things like that, but we do it to other people. And it was like a month ago, and I just made a really horrible decision. I made a bad mistake, and I really hurt some people. And when that came to my attention... Right? I don't know about you. I hate it when I hurt people. Anybody else hate it when you hurt people? But we do. And sometimes we do it again accidentally. Sometimes we do it intentionally. Sometimes our own woundedness and our brokenness, we just end up hurting people. And so that's where I was at. And so, and I realized I can't fix it. I can't take back what I did. I did it. And like we talked about last week, when you hurt someone, there is a pain and there is a loss. So I don't know about you, but here was my response. I immediately felt guilty, because <laughs> I was. And then right on the heels of guilt, I felt shame for doing it. You're like, man, I don't know, again, just like I heard this morning, you idiot. We have this shaming voice when you make mistakes or when you hurt somebody. So I had guilt and shame, and then right on the, on the heels of shame was fear. I was so afraid to actually go and address these people. So then what do you do? When you, have, when you have guilt, fear, and shame, you know what you do? You hide. You don't move. You avoid, you hesitate, and you withdraw. And the next thing you know, relationship is broken because of that. And here's what I know. Today, some of you are in that place. Some of you are sitting here today, and this is going to be very apropos, because you've hurt somebody. Now, again, we always say that if you're going to be in a relationship, you're going to do this. So whether it's in your marriage or in your family, your workplace, here, friends, it doesn't matter. Some of you are here today, and you're in that place, and you're feeling guilty, and you're feeling ashamed, and you're afraid of how the people are going to respond to you. Others of you... You're not. You're doing, you're doing okay today. But again, at K2, we always say we are here to invite you on this adventure of following Jesus, and we're going to follow how to, how to handle it when we screw up today. But we're also here to equip you. Can I just tell you right now, if you're not dealing with this, you do know somebody who is. And, and if you're a follower of Christ, then learn today to actually help. We are, we're called, Jesus says, to make disciples, to actually help people. And so if you're doing all right, then soak up this information because, number one, you might be able to help somebody else. And number two, 
If you haven't screwed up today, you might by this afternoon. <laughs> you may need this by the end of the evening, right? You're human. And so pack this away, get these things down. It's a very clear stuff that we're going to share with you. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Now, Jesus is talking to Jewish people, so they understood this. When he says, if you're at the altar... Okay, so at the altar, that was the Jewish ceremony. They came and they brought offerings to God. They brought sacrifices and gifts. We're actually going to teach you about this this summer, all the different type of offerings that the Jewish people were involved in, what that means for us. But some of the offerings were given simply to tell God, I want to be fully devoted to you. Okay? And so you would bring a gift and you'd tell God, you'd sacrifice this gift to him as a symbol of say, I am fully devoted to you. There was another offering that was called the fellowship offering. And when you gave that, it was an offering not just for you and God, it was for the community. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, if you're at the altar, which means you're trying to connect with God, and saying to him, I want to be fully devoted to you, God, and I want to be in good community with each other. If that's what you're doing, and in the middle of that, all of a sudden comes to your mind, and you go, man, I know this person has something against me. Then Jesus is saying, then just don't even give your gift. Don't go through the religious exercise. Leave it right there and go. And be reconciled. Because if you actually want to be fully devoted to me, it's all about loving each other. And if you want to have connection with me, it's all about loving me. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Go be reconciled. So here's what we've done this morning. We got rid of this first row of our chairs. I grew up in the Methodist church. And in the Methodist church, we had altars. And over and over again, you would be given the opportunity to come forward in a service and, and make a, a commitment to God. And sometimes you would come down and you would confess to God and just get it down and say, Lord, I just want to confess to you and I want to receive your forgiveness. Other times I would be invited to come down because there was something God was asking me to do. And in that moment, I would say, I'm going to do this. And out of a commitment of my will, I would go forward. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, at the end of the service, I am going to give you a chance actually to come to the altar. And Jesus says, if you're going to come to the altar and you have something against, and you know someone has something against you, then deal with that first. Okay? So here's my phrase for today. Here's my phrase that I'm hoping you'll be able to go home with. It's this. When you've hurt someone, you move. <laughs> can, I, can I say this? It's always your move. You guys remember last week? Because what, what he said is, if you're standing there praying to God, so again, you're trying to connect with God, and while you're praying to God, you realize that you have someone that you're not forgiving, what do you say to do? It's your move. Go forgive the person. But today, if you have hurt someone, it's your move. You move, okay? So here's, I'm going to go through this because I, I want this to so stick with you. I'm going to say, when you hurt someone, and I want all of you to say back to me, you move. Okay, ready? When you hurt someone, you move. you move. Now, here's the point. 
you are going to hurt people because you're human. And so we got to know how to move, and that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. Now, if you notice in this passage, he says, go and be reconciled. And again, if you have guilt, shame, and fear, you are probably not going to go. But also, you know when else we don't go? Is when we're full of pride. Because sometimes we hurt someone and we go, whatever. I shouldn't have hurt them. <laughs> I see some of you guys laughing. Because we do this. That wasn't even that big of a deal. They should just be able to get over that. Blow it, they're blowing it out of proportion. <laughs> well, did you guys notice? Jesus doesn't say in there, hey, if, it was, if it's really a big deal, then go. He says, it's not even about you. You're going to hear this today. It's not about you. Don't make the judgment whether you're supposed to go or not. If the person has something against you, it's actually about them and you go. And again, it doesn't matter if you accidentally hurt them, go. If you intentionally hurt them, go. If you're just broken and your own messed up self screwed up again, go. You know what else is interesting? Sometimes you even do the right thing and you hurt them. If you've done the right thing and you hurt them and you know that that person has something against you, what does Jesus say to do? Go. Go. It's not about what you did. It's about how they're doing. And if they hold something against you, it's your move. Because when you hurt someone, you move. All right? So a couple years ago, I went to California. I wish it was California. It was Michigan. I guess I wanted to go to California. But I went back home uh, with my family for vacation. And we actually got to hear Gary Smalley give a talk on this topic. Gary Smalley is the guy who wrote Five Love Languages. How many of you guys know that book? Okay, very popular. He's all about relationships. So he and another PhD did a bunch of research on forgiveness. Because obviously, if you're going to master relationships, you have to master forgiveness. Now, this is what was hilarious. He got, so he stood in front of everybody and said, I am so sorry, you guys. But our research actually found that there are five ways to do forgiveness. You can see he was apologizing. I think he really wanted four or six. But he had five love languages. And then he said there are five things that you need to do when you go, when you move. Okay? So I'm going to teach you those, and we're going to go through them. So seriously, don't, I, I, part of me was, don't not get this information. Don't come in here and say, well, that was a good message, and walk home. Equip yourself, okay? So grab your phone. All the notes are on our K2 app. If you didn't get a program, grab the program, fill in your blanks, and be equipped to know how to ask for forgiveness when you need it and help others. All right, so here we go. Number one, when you move, you express regret. That's the first thing. When you move, express regret. And this is simply say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry. Regret, by definition, is feeling sad, repentant, and disappointed. Okay? So when David sinned horrifically, he wrote this psalm, Psalm 51, and here's what he says. My sacrifice, God, so my gift to you, God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The first thing you got to do when you need forgiveness is you have to get to the emo- This is the emotional part of, 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 of reconciliation. You are actually identifying 
You, you, are, you have regret over the pain that you have caused the other person. Again, it doesn't matter what you did that caused it. If they have pain, then you identify with it. You have empathy with them. And you say, I'm sorry. Because it's, it's not about you. All of us who are parents, I remember at least my kids, when they were really little, you know, they do something to each other, brother and sisters. By the way, I think God just made families so we'd have brothers and sisters, so we'd learn how to fight. I think that's, so we'd learn how to forgive. And I remember when our kids were little, right, we'd look at one of them and say, you tell them you're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right? Like, okay, okay, we're going to work on that. Because we can tell you actually have no sincerity in this. There needs to be sincerity, obviously, when you're saying you're sorry, even if you feel like you didn't do anything wrong because you regret the fact that there's a broken relationship. And if you had any part to play in that, then you can say, I am sorry that I hurt you. Now, because remember what happens when people are hurt. Remember this from last week? You do carry pain and loss. That's what it means. Every time you're sinned against or hurt, you carry pain or loss. And so what, what, we, what we know, and I know this is true about me. It's, I thought about this one deeply. That when you are feeling the pain, somebody else says, I'm sorry. It's like they share the pain with you. And somehow that lessens this pain. So when people are feeling pain, what they're wanting is, would, would you please feel some of this pain? And you end up sharing it with them. You kind of end up bearing their burden. And I just realized this was big for me. I thought of a couple situations in my past where instead of saying sorry, when they found out I was hurt, what they did is they, tell, they told me why they did what they did. You guys, you know this? Like, so, man, that is, I'm really hurt. This happened. Like, oh, well, that's because this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. So I sat there and I was like, okay, I understand now. Thank you. Why you did that? Do you understand that hurt? And if you don't say, I'm sorry, I really am, then the person doesn't know that you actually are sincere. And so for some of you, and apparently for me, for some people, having you tell them you're sorry is absolutely crucial for reconciliation to happen. Because if you don't, they don't think your apology is sincere at all. All right? Here's a couple other pointers. Be super specific when you know what you've done that actually caused them. Say that I'm sorry for boom. Because that helps them to know you're actually aware of what you did. And then don't follow it with but. <laughs> right? So now I'm going to cover myself. No. Just stop with the I'm sorry. And then it also becomes super insincere when you're simply trying to get the other person to stop confronting you with the issue. Now we're trying to talk some marriage action, right? Because this gets hard. But some of us will say, I'm sorry, because I just want you to stop saying something. It's not sincere. And people will sniff that out. Okay? It's a big deal. That's number one. So here we go. When you hurt somebody. Okay, that was lame. When you hurt somebody, you move. And when you move, you move by expressing regret. I'm sorry. Number two, when you move, you accept responsibility. So you say, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I was wrong. 1 John chapter 1, classic verse, man. If you need a verse to, to memorize, here's one. 
If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, it's interesting. This word confess literally means to speak the same thing. In other words, what you're saying is, I agree. So when you confess your sin to God, it's not like, oh, God. No, it's like, you know what, God? I agree with you. You call this wrong. I agree. I confess. I'm going to say the same thing. I, I was wrong, God. And when you confess that, when you agree with God, then he's faithful and just to forgive you. Now, here's what's interesting. Why, for some of us, it's very hard, actually, to say, I was wrong, to accept responsibility for what you did. I think it's hard for us to say, some of us, because if you admit that you were wrong, then you're showing weakness. <laughs> and, and, and there's just many of us who don't want to do that. For some, it's we, we equate wrong behavior with low self esteem. In other words, some of you grew up, and, and that's just your MO. Like, you have to get it right. You have to behave. And if you don't behave, then you're bad. So then when you do something wrong, if you're, but if I admit that I'm wrong, then I'm bad. You guys follow this? And so if you feel like you're a bad person, the last thing you want to do is go to someone and say, because that's what you'd be saying, I'm bad. We need to get past that. It's not what you're saying. You're saying, I was wrong. And I'm telling you, nothing will kill a relationship more than letting your excuses and your justifications stop you. See, again, when, when people did that, well, I did, it's because of this, because, no, can you just, and it does, it takes maturity to be able to say, I'm not going to justify this. I'm just going to say I was wrong. The other thing we do often is we flip the behavior and we say, yeah, but you, Okay? And we'll do that. And we'll say, yeah, I did something, but you did something. We flip the blame. It's like, don't do that. Just admit you were wrong. I love this quote in the book. It says, few things are more powerful than having the common sense, the wisdom, and the strength to admit when you've made a mistake and to set things right. And for some people, you guys, this is the most important piece you have hurt somebody, they actually want, there are people who want to forgive you. But if there's no admittance on your side, you don't even give them a chance to do it. And by the way, side note here, I think this is true with God. Now this, this was very interesting when Gary Small, two, two years ago when I heard him. Because God is ready to forgive everyone, right? I mean, he's, Jesus died for everybody, so he is ready to forgive everyone. Does he forgive everyone? No, he does not. He forgives you if you confess your sins. <laughs> He's faithful and just to forgive you. So there's a whole bunch of people out there that God is absolutely ready. But if they never admit, if they never agree with God, this was wrong and confess their sin to him, the forgiveness that's available to them actually never gets put into their life. So this is true in our relationships. We need to admit responsibility and say, I was wrong. Okay? Because when you hurt someone... Okay, you move. And when you move, you accept responsibility. Here's the third one. When you move, make restitution. Make restitution. So you say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. How can I make this right? How can I make this right? It was interesting. He gave a couple examples. He, by the way, uh, if you want to read the book and get in depth on this, it's called When Sorry Isn't, 
Isn't Enough. When Sorry Isn't Enough by Gary Smalley. But he, he talked about a, a, a robbery that happened to a guy who was ringing bells for the Salvation Army, which, by the way, I did. So when I was in college, we would get out uh, at Thanksgiving, and we'd have all the way from Thanksgiving to New Year's off. It's like six weeks. So me and my buddies, we would go to different cities, and we would ring bells for the Salvation Army 10 hours a day, six days a week. 60 hours out there with this, baby. And I remember one time uh, a, a guy came, and he stole my bell from me. I, I don't know. I said, hey, can I just have that? I'm like, sure. And he took it and he just ran off with my bell. Well, but in this story, some guy went to take his break and he left the kettle out there. And if somebody actually stole a Salvation Army kettle with all the money in it. Is there anything lower than that? Except two days later at the Salvation Army office, there was a note and it said, please forgive me. Actually, let me read it. He goes, here's the money I took plus money for a new kettle and Bell, please forgive me. See, that's restitution. Now, he compared that to, do you guys remember the horrible shooting that took place in the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado? I, I had never heard this before. But the theater company, to make restitution for these people who lost their loved ones, gave them free tickets when the, when the theater reopened to a movie. Yeah, what? And seriously, the families were actually offended. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've lost everything. And you're just going to give me a free ticket to come to your theater. See, restitution. Now, a good example is in Luke chapter 19 with Zacchaeus. So Jesus is having this conversation with Zacchaeus, and it says, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, that's restitution. And Jesus, actually, the next verse, you know what he says? Today salvation has come to this house. Now, what does that mean? If you pay back people, you get to go to heaven? No. That's not what you Oh, gee, that's easy. No. What he's saying is you, the act that Zacchaeus made showed the reality of his heart. And so, the definition of restitution is this. It's the act of giving back to a rightful owner, a giving of something as an equivalent for what has been lost or damaged. And again, if you were here last week, and if you weren't, I really encourage you to listen to the message. But last week, when someone is hurt, there is always a loss, and there's always pain. And when they forgive, remember we talked, when you forgive somebody, you cancel the debt that the other person owes you and you carry the pain yourself. You pay for the loss. But in restitution, so how do we do this? What, why, why, when we come to someone and say, I'm so sorry, I was totally wrong. How can I make it right what you're doing is saying, is there something I can do to lessen your pain? That's what restitution is. And we need to figure out what that means in each specific situation. Now, I also want to say, pay, do it if you can. Uh, about eight years ago, I was on sabbatical, and I did some counseling with a guy in Colorado. And he, he gave this illustration, which was really interesting. He said, if somebody comes up to you and just pops you in the nose. I mean, bust your nose. 
blood everywhere. You have to go in for reconstructive surgery. It is painful, and you're, you are experiencing financial loss. You're experiencing the pain of the whole experience. If a couple weeks later that person finally gets to their senses and comes to you and says, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'd like to make it right. Let me fix your nose. Yeah. How many of you would let them fix your nose? <laughs> it's like, don't touch me. <laughs> okay. Let the doc, the doctor's actually the only one who can heal my nose. Listen, sometimes the damage you have done is beyond your ability to pay. Now, now let me flip that around. Sometimes the damage that people have done to you, they literally don't have enough emotional, spiritual clout or power to heal you, even if they say they're sorry. Jesus, this I'm not kidding you, God is the physician and he's the healer and sometimes he has to heal the heart, okay? But many times, we can make restitution. We can help lessen the weight of what someone is going through. And I just want to tell you, for some people, and I know for me, when I've thought through, I, I have situations where I have very sincerely said, I'm sorry, and I meant it. And I have absolutely confessed that I was wrong. But this restitution piece, for some people, this is what it means to actually be forgiven. It's their primary apology language. And usually it's for people where, who's, where for them justice is a big deal, okay? And so without the question, if they don't hear you say to them, what can I do to make it right? Your apology feels insincere. Andy Stanley puts it this way, a willingness to do something, to try to make up for the pain that I have caused you is evidence of a true apology. So, when, okay, go ahead and respond to me. When you hurt someone, you move. And you may need to move, when you move, actually make restitution. Figure out how you can lessen the payment that they're feeling in their heart, okay? Number four, when you move, genuinely repent. Genuinely repent. So, what are you saying? I am sorry. I was wrong. How do I make this right? I really want to change. You need to be able to say, I really want to change. Acts 2.38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So repent, again, means what? It means a change of mind, a complete change of mind. And when your mind changes, it causes you to have absolutely different behavior. So when you have genuine repentance, what you're saying is, I am going to change. And again, if you're a parent, I don't know about you, at least in my house, when my kids were little, right, you come up to someone, one of my kids, and I'd say, you tell them you're sorry. And they're like, I'm sorry. And then we look at them and they go, no, you're not. And they like, I said I was sorry. I know, but you're not. What do you mean I'm not sorry? Because you have no intention of changing. <laughs> Anybody else have that conversation with your kids? See, if you don't have any intention of changing, it's actually not true sorrow. How do we know this? Because the Bible has two definitions for sorrow, okay? Number one is worldly sorrow. 
And again, the Bible says when you have worldly sorrow, it actually leads to death. Okay? You know what worldly sorrow is? <laughs> worldly sorrow is when you're sorry you got caught. That's what sorry. Or you're sorry because you had consequences for what you've done. So what you're really sorry about, that's, that's parenting. You say, you say you're sorry. I'm like, I can't believe I'm in trouble and I can't play PlayStation anymore. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. No, you're not. You just want to play PlayStation. See, when you have worldly sorrow and you're only sad because you got caught or because you're experiencing consequences, it actually leads to death. There's no true reconciliation. That's worldly sorrow. But then the Bible says that there's godly sorrow. And godly sorrow actually leads to repentance. So how can you actually change your behavior? How can you actually repent and be different? And the Bible says if you have godly sorrow. Well, what's godly sorrow? Well, let's think about God. First thing you got to do is say, well, what's true about God? Okay? Okay. Here's what's true about God. And I say this a lot because you've got to understand this. Ephesians 1 again, God says, it, God has revealed the mystery of his will by his good pleasure. So what he wants more than anything, purposed in Christ. This is the very purpose of Christ. It's the will of God. It's his pleasure. What is it? To unite everything in Jesus. God is always about relationship. He is love, and he wants every relationship we're in to reconcile, to be good and healthy. So when you have godly sorrow, you know what you're actually sorry about? You're sorry the relationship is broken. It's not about you at all. It's not about you getting caught. It's not about your consequences. You have godly sorrow, which means my relationship with you means so much to me, and I am so sad. I will do anything to mend this. That's genuine repentance. And that's the fourth thing. Can I just give you a couple steps that came out of this? Number one, if you're going to do genuine repentance, the first thing you have to do is tell the person, okay? It begins with expressing an intent to change. Now, why is that important? It's important because the person can't read your mind. They don't actually know what's going on in here. They don't know what's going on in your heart. You need to tell them, I'm super sorry. I, I, I was wrong. I want to make it right. I really do want to change. And the reason that's important to say it is because if you, already, if you all of a sudden start changing your behavior without letting them know why you're doing it, they could be going, okay, why are they doing this? Why are they stopped doing that? Why, what do they want from me? So you have to actually tell them your intent so that when your behavior starts to change, they will know, oh my gosh, he actually said he was really going to change for our relationship, and he is. So say it first, then ask them to be patient. It's okay to ask because you're human. Number three, actually develop a plan. How are you going to change? And write it down. If, if, seriously, if you have a pattern, right? This is for the, and all of us have people like this in our life. They do, they say they're sorry and they really mean it and then they do it again. And then they say they're sorry and then they do it again. And then they say they're sorry and they do it again. Then they say they're sorry and you're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But if the person actually has a plan and they can show you, this is how I intend to actually be different. Okay. And here's the last thing, you guys. When you fail, be the one to admit it. Because you are gonna fail. You're human, okay? 
Now, I'm going to ask forgiveness before I do this to my daughter. Because, um, I, by the way, it really sucks to be a pastor's kid and a, <clears throat> and a pastor's wife. Um, but it, this isn't a big deal. But it's a perfect illustration. So my daughter, Ashton, who plays soccer, she hates it when I yell. On, can you imagine? I actually yell on the sideline. Well, I know that really surprises you. But, but she, doesn't, she just told me before. It's like, even if I'm going, come on, Ashton, you can do it, you can do it. She's like, don't, Dad. It doesn't help me. So last week, what did I do? Come on, Ashton, you can do it. I, and as soon as I did that, I get this. Like on the field, she turns and gives me the death stare. <laughs> and so I had an option. So as soon as the game was over, as soon as she got in the car, I said, Ashlyn, I am so sorry. I know you've told me that it's not helpful for you to yell, and I did it. I'm so sorry. I will not do it again. Now, why was that important? Because if I didn't do that, she's going to get in the car and go, why did you do that? I asked you not to yell at me. And she would have a rightful way to do that. But now she knows I'm actually aware and I'm trying. Right? That's what you got to do. You are going to mistake. Make sure that you're the one to admit it. Because for some people, repeated behavior negates any apology you give from being sincere. Okay? So when you move, you have to genuinely repent. When you move, when you hurt someone, you move. Okay, we're getting lame. When you hurt someone, okay. And the last one, and when you move, you request forgiveness. I'm sorry. I was wrong. How can I make this right? I really do want to change. Will you forgive me? Psalm 41.4, the psalmist says, have mercy on me, Lord. He asks God, please forgive me. Have mercy on me, for I have sinned against you. Now, here's what's interesting. For some of us in this room, asking forgiveness is really scary. This is the scary one for some of you. Why? Because in the first four stages, you're in control. The first four, what, what are the first four things, right? I'm sorry. I was wrong. How can I make it right? There's something I can do. And I, because I want to change. But when you've asked for forgiveness, the other person's now in control. Because they can decide whether to forgive you or not. And for some of us, you guys, not being in control of that situation hinders us from actually saying this. Why? Because I think we fear two things. Number one, and this is me, I fear rejection. How scary to actually go through this and ask someone for forgiveness and the person go and put up a wall. That's just... And so because we're afraid of that, we avoid and we hesitate. You might try to be nice, but you have to ask. And some of you are afraid of failure. That's why you want to, you'd like to be in control. This is a hard one for people who like to be controlling of the situation. Because if you can't get them to forgive you, then you feel like you failed and you feel failure. And by the way, another side note on this, which is super important, it's ask for forgiveness. Don't demand it. Because what happens when you demand, some of you are going, hey, man, will you please forgive me? Well, I don't know. Well, you, you got to forgive me. I said I was sorry. <laughs> Come on, I, 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 I tried to make things right. How, you got to forgive me. You know what you just did as soon as you do that? You all of a sudden turned it again, and you started judging the person that you hurt. 
So you hurt them, and now you're judging them. So you just got to stop. Ask for forgiveness. Don't demand it. Why is this so important? Don't forget this. If you're asking the person to forgive you, you are asking them to pay the price instead of you. I'm asking you to suffer instead of me. Would you find it in your heart to forgive me? That means cancel my debt. I tell you, man, that's huge. Here's what you need to remember, because all of us have had to forgive somebody, and you do. When you forgive it, you carry it. So sometimes people are, man, to relinquish, you're asking them to relinquish their hurt, their feelings of embarrassment, or humiliation, their anger. And sometimes we're actually asking them to live with the consequences of our wrong behavior. Will you forgive me? I know you have to live with this. I am so sorry. So you guys, here's, here's a huge tip. Don't expect people to immediately go, oh, sure, I, I forgive you. Now, again, based on the offense, if you really hurt someone, you need to give them time to wrestle with. Don't demand it. Be patient. Go through the whole process and ask for it. Now, this is what was so interesting to me. For some people... If you don't ask for forgiveness, your apology is not complete. Again, there are people who literally want to forgive you. I want to forgive you, but if you don't ask me to forgive you, I can't forgive you. (laughs) But as soon as you say, I'm sorry, man, I was wrong. Is there anything I can do? I'll change. Will you forgive me? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. And so we need to be able to take that move and go in it. Because when you hurt someone, you move. And when you move, you actually have to request forgiveness. All right? Now, last thing. And that's this. I know, again, for me, if you're under the weight of guilt and shame and fear, you're probably not moving. And God has literally said, if you're trying to connect with me, and you know somebody has something against you, then you got to move. But fear and guilt and shame, you won't move. So here's the last thing I just want to tell you. Where do we get the power to move? When he says go, how do you get the power to go? I actually think we need a spiritual depth of power inside of us to make us do this. So here's what's crazy. When David with Bathsheba, and I, forgive me if you disagree with me, but for me, when a guy looks down and sees a woman on the thing, demands for them to grab her, comes up and has sex with her, that to me would be sexual assault. So here's David sexually assaulting Bathsheba and then killing her husband to cover it up. And then, to me, when I read the scripture, I'm like, are you kidding me? In that, in that Psalm of Confession, David says this, God against you and you only have I sinned. And I want to go, hello? I don't think so. But what's what's, what's David saying? He's saying there really is only one person who can judge my sin. And it's God. 
Now, in our human relationships, we have to work on that and we have to deal with the consequences of our actions. But when you die, there's literally only one person who's sitting on the throne and it's God. And that's what David is saying. He goes, when I did this against Bathsheba and against Uriah, the truth is, God, I did it against you. Why? Because every command that God has given, right? What's the greatest command, Jesus? What did he say? Love God and love each other. Almost every command that is in the scripture is a way that we're supposed to love each other, but God is the one who told us to do that. So when we don't love each other, when we sin against each other, the truth is we hurt each other, but we sinned against God. <laughs> and he's the one who actually will hold us accountable for what we've done. That's why last week we said, you need to be able to forgive and don't hold vengeance because vengeance is God's, it's not yours, because that's who we sin against, okay? Now, so the first step for you today, if you're sitting here and you know that you need to be forgiven for what you've done, the first step for you to have the power to go to that person is you have to confess your sin to God. And he says, if you will agree with me that what you did was wrong, I'll forgive you. And I will cleanse you from every unrighteous thing you've ever done. And that's the beautiful thing. Look at this, you guys. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, you were behaving in ways that weren't in line with God and you were hurting each other and destroying your relationships. And then look what he says. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, you guys, this was Easter. Jesus has forgiven you of everything. He's paid the price for all of your sin through his death. But look at this. To present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. And I want to tell you, man, just like this morning, I look in the mirror and myself is coming back at me and going, you idiot. And I'm like, I know. But way worse than shaving off my beard is how many times have I fallen short, either accidentally hurt someone or out of my brokenness hurt someone and I look in the mirror and all I can see back, my face comes back to me and says, you idiot. And Jesus says, I've paid for every one of your sins that you have committed against every person that you've hurt. And when you received me, I forgave you. And when I look at you, you are holy and you are without blemish and you are free from accusation. Listen to me, you guys. I'm telling you, this is huge. If you still have fear and guilt and shame, you will not go in a good heart and make reconciliation. But when you believe this, when Jesus has taken away your guilt and you are justified, when he has taken all of your sin away, there's no shame. And when he is not gonna punish you for what you've done, you have no fear. And when that reality, God, the judge of my evil behavior, the judge of my evil behavior, 
I am good with him. That's the power to be able to go to someone who might not be good with you. Because you don't know what's going to happen when you say, I'm sorry. They might totally receive you and be ready to forgive you. And on the other hand, they might run you up in one side down the other because they're hurt. But if you know, but I'm forgiven, you can take the pain that that person gives you because Jesus took the pain for what you've done. And that's the power. Can I, can I just imagine with me if people who've been super hurt, legitimately hurt, remember that God has forgiven them tens and hundreds of billions of sins. So when they're praying and trying to connect with God and they go, man, this person hurt me, they go, oh, but you have forgiven me so much. And so they run to go forgive the person. And the person over here who did the wrong thing is trying to offer their alt gift to God. And then they remember, oh my gosh, this person has something hurt against me. But I'm totally forgiven in Christ. And they run to each other. Can you picture this? And this person's going, I am so sorry. And this person's going, I totally forgive you. You guys, that's the kingdom of God. And that's what every human needs. And this is what Jesus Christ can empower you to do. He can reconcile your relationships if we're in Christ to forgive and if we're in Christ as forgiven, then we can go to each other. So here's how we're going to close this service. Here's your altar. And, that, and, and what did you come for? If you came today and you're saying, God, I came to connect with you. And if today you're sitting there and you're going, I realize I have sinned then I'm going to ask you, some of you just need to come down here during this first song. Is un, it's a perfect song. You need to come down and you just need to confess your sin to God. God, I have done this. I have hurt this person. Come down and if you agree with him that it was wrong, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you and cleanse you from your unrighteous act. And he's ready to do that. And then some of you, need to move. I noticed that none of you got up and ran out of here as soon as the person came to your mind because <laughs> he said, leave your altar at the gift and go, but you're all here. <laughs> but I want to challenge you. Don't leave this place. If you know you need to move and be reconciled to someone, then come down here and tell God, come to his altar and say, God, I, in response to your grace in my life, I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to move. Give me the power to do it with grace and humility, but I'm going to go. You move here now, and it'll give you the power to move when you go out those doors, okay? So let's stand together, and let's worship him, and at any time, if you're ready to come down here and receive that forgiveness at his altar so you can move, you come on down and you do that.